Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Today, uh, we're going to be beginning a new series to kind of launch our new year together. Uh, But we're also going to be having the Lord's Supper at the end of our service today. So very excited for the time uh, that we have ahead of us now. Um, but before we, we, we launch into that, I, I wanted to begin by sharing with you a little uh, nugget from my week, something that I did this week. This, this last week, uh, I had the, the great privilege of going to Sam's Club. Uh, how many of you are, are Sam's Club people? You've got a membership, uh, many, many of you in this room. Now, if you have not gone to Sam's Club recently or you don't have a membership to this, this shopping center um, one thing you, you know probably about Sam's, if you know nothing else about Sam's Club, you know that they are known for their small and petite portions of things that you can buy there. Um, you really, you can, you know, no, it's not that way at all, right? Uh, if you go to Sam's, you're walking out of there with a bunch of whatever you went there to get. And this last week, I went there to buy some peppermints. Now, I, I was, you know, beginning, some of you were here last week or aware of this, uh, beginning um, this, this role, a senior pastor here at Wildwood, and I thought, you know, as I begin this role, I need some kind of a container on my desk uh, that I could put something inside it to, to freshen the breath of all who come, uh, especially me. And so uh, I thought, I need some peppermints. Now, when you go to Sam's, uh, you're going to get some peppermints, Right. Um, and so I end up with this, you know, epic container of peppermints that need to be opened with scissors. And uh, you go and, and you, you, you buy these, these peppermints. Now, if, when I buy a, a bag of peppermints this large for a container this small, um, that is a little bit of a situation, isn't it? But let's just say I have the bag of peppermints, I have the jar, and I'm going to put these peppermints in that jar. And now, the question is, were there enough peppermints in this bag to fill that jar? Absolutely, right? And there were so many peppermints in that bag that nobody ever buys this bag of peppermints to eat all of those peppermints themselves. Right now, maybe you do, and that—that's your own issue. But this is way too many peppermints for any one human to actually consume. Um, When you buy a bag this large of peppermints, it is almost goes without saying that you bought this bag to share these peppermints, especially when the jar you're going to put them in is only that big. Now, here is where this this makes some sense for us spiritually today. You know what? Each and every one of us in this room are a jar. God created us, and and you know what? We're just a small jar. He created us with with skills and gifts and opportunity and perspective and relationships, but we're just a jar. But when God comes along and initiates a relationship with us in Christ, he opens up the floodgates of his grace and of his mercy. And he pours it out on us in such an increasing and overflowing way that our jar can't hold it all. And you know what? That's because it was never designed to. 
The God of the universe loves us, and he loves us with an increasing and overflowing kind of love, and we can say amen to that, and we have seen it, and we have felt it, and we have experienced it. But, but folks, here's the thing. God never intended it to stay just with us. God fills us up with this measure of his grace because he intends for us to share it with others. And as we begin 2016, I want us to begin with a series that reminds us of this truth. It reminds us that God has filled us with his increasing, overflowing love so that we might share it with others. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be in this series. Today, we're beginning with an introduction. Uh, next week, we're going to move on and talk about uh, how this love in, empowers us and pushes us towards engaging those around us. Two weeks from now, we're going to talk about how this love empowers us to invite others to come and to join us and follow Christ. And, and then the last week, we're going to talk about how this love has us include those around us in the things that God is doing. And that's our plan for the next four weeks. But today, we're going to begin with an introduction and by celebrating the Lord's Supper together as we reflect a little bit about this increasing, overflowing measure of God's love that he's extended to us. And we're going to do that by looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verses 11 to 13. Now, these, these verses uh, come to us in the middle of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. We know that Paul wrote at least how many letters to the Thessalonians? Two, right? If you ever wondered why there's a First Thessalonians and a Second Thessalonians, they were just letters that Paul wrote to the church, the believers in Jesus Christ, in the city of Thessalonica. Paul had a relationship with them because God had used Paul in one of his missionary journeys to help share the good news of Jesus with the people of Thessalonica, and some had come to faith in Christ, and a church had been birthed there. Paul left the city of Thessalonica, but they were still on his heart, and he wrote them a couple of letters to encourage them in their faith. The verses that we're going to read today uh, fit neatly inside of the first letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, sorry, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 to 13. Let me read these verses for us, and then we'll go back and unpack them a little bit together. Paul writes and says, Now may our God and Father himself and, the, and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now in these few short verses, really we're going to be focusing on verse 12. We're going to see a couple of things today that remind us of the increasing, overflowing love of God and what I believe to be God's desired response from us today. The first thing that we're going to see from these verses is this. We can ask God for increasing, overflowing love. We can ask God for an increasing, overflowing love. Now, I mentioned earlier that these verses fit in the middle of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. 
And just to recap where they, they fit, because I think the context is helpful for us in these verses, uh, these, these, these fit right in the middle where he begins his letter by remembering how the Thessalonians had exhibited faith in Christ when Paul had first visited them. See, Paul was remembering that when he had come to their city, he had held up Jesus and he had said, this is the Son of God who has died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, and many Thessalonians had expressed faith in Christ. Paul knew that faith in Jesus was present in Thessalonica at the beginning. But Paul then had left. And so the letter goes on and doesn't just remember their faith in the past, but Paul begins to wonder about their faith in the present. And so Paul sends his, his protege, Timothy, to go and to visit the Thessalonians. Thessalonians, i got to get this right. He goes to visit the Thessalonians to see if they are persisting in their faith. Because Paul, when he had arrived at, at, at Thessalonica, he had arrived there having been persecuted for his faith in many cities along his journey. And though some of the Thessalonians had come to faith in Christ, Paul was concerned that over time that the persecution, when it no doubt would have reached the Thessalonians, that they might have recanted of their faith or that they might have wandered away from their first love. And so Paul sends Timothy to go and to visit the Thessalonians, and and Timothy brings back a report and says, hey, Paul, guess what? Not only did they used to have faith in the past, but they still have faith today. As a matter of fact, everybody in the region is talking about their faith in Christ. You can imagine how that must have made Paul's heart sore. No doubt there was, a, there was a high five or a hug or a chest bump or something that happened between those guys when they were praising God that faith was not only present in, in Thessalonica at the beginning, but it had continued even to that day. And so Paul is going to write a letter, and at the end of this letter, he's going to give them a number of commands of things that they were to do as they were to express their faith. But right in the middle, in the verses we just read, Paul stops and prays for the Thessalonians. He stops and he prays for them. Because Paul knows that the things that God wants to to call forth out of the Thessalonians are something that go beyond their ability to manufacture it on their own. They need supernatural provision and direction. They need a work of God through the Holy Spirit to exhibit the things that that Paul is getting ready to challenge them to as they live out their faith. And so Paul stops and he prays for the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 3, 11-13. Now, here's where that connects with us. You know, Wildwood Community Church is a place that believes in Jesus Christ. And you know what? We are a place that, that have believed in Christ for a long time, nearly 50 years, the history of the church. My personal history with Wildwood goes back 25 years when I was just a freshman at OU and I came to this place and I found a collection of people that were lifting up the person of Christ, that were trusting him together. There has been faith in Christ at Wildwood in the past. And you know what, as as we gather today and as we look around, uh, we're gathered among people who believe that Jesus is who he says he is even today. We have faith not only from the past, but also in the present. And that's something that is, is, is a wonderful blessing for us, and it's a wonderful blessing to be a part of. 
But here's the thing, as we begin 2016 together, as people who have had faith in the past and faith in the present, I want us to take the example of Paul for the Thessalonians here, and I want us to drop to our knees and I want us to pray. It is is my prayer for the church, and as we gathered yesterday with staff and elders, it was our prayer for the church, and, and I'm asking you to make it your prayer for Wildwood as well, that we would come before our God and we would ask him to do in and through us that which goes beyond what we are able to do on our own. And that is to ask him for an increasing and overflowing kind of love. Paul begins his prayer for the Thessalonians. We know it's a prayer. Back in verse 10, he tells us he was, a, he was praying earnestly night and day for the Thessalonians. Verse 11 begins as an address to God. Now, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus. It's a, a prayer to God, asking him to do something in the lives of the Thessalonians. And as we gather and as we pray, we're asking God to do something in our lives that goes beyond what we could do on our own. And specifically, Paul is praying that God would make them increasingly, overflowingly full of his love. In my translation, the ESV, it says here, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Increase and abound. That word abound could be to overflow. That prayer basically says, Lord, help us to have an experience, an encounter with your love that resembles this jar. That we would be so filled up, reminded of the love that you have for us, that it would be so close on the front of our minds, that we would so feel and experience your love for us that it would not only fill us up, but it would go over the edges and it would overflow so that everyone who comes in contact with us would have an encounter with the love of God. That's Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians. That's our prayer for our church, that we would love with God's kind of love, and it would come as a product of the overflowing love of God in our own lives. The love that is mentioned here, Paul chose a particular word, the Greek word agape, and that's a different kind of a love. You know, oftentimes we, we think about love, uh, and we think about love as desire, You know, a boyfriend says, I love you to his girlfriend. Part of that is, I have a desire for you. A girlfriend says, I love you to her boyfriend. A husband says, I love you to his wife. A wife says, I love you to her husband. There's a desire component to that. You might say at some point over Christmas break, I love chocolate. There's a desire for chocolate. Or you might say, as you leave here today, I love Ted's fajitas is you want to go there for lunch today. Um, it's a desire for something. But, but the love that is, that is mentioned here is a different kind of love. It is God's kind of love. Not just a desire for something. Not, a, not, a, not an interest in getting something. But it's about giving something, regardless of what we might receive in return. See, God's love for us sent Jesus into the world while we were still sinners to die for us. 
Regardless of our response, Jesus came to us as a gift, a gift of life, a gift of love, an eternal love, an agape kind of a love. And that is what Paul's prayer was for the Thessalonians, not that they just have some desires, but that they be so filled up and overflowing with a concern for others that would move them in the direction of giving of themselves for them, of reorienting their lives for others. That this kind of a love would be what would would mark the relationships of Christians in the home, from a husband to a wife, from a wife to a husband, from parents to kids, kids to parents. This would be what would mark the relationship with the Christian in the workplace, with their boss, with their peers. This is what would mark the Christian in school, those in their table groups and study groups, those that they gather and meet with on their dorm floor or on their sports teams. See, what would Paul's prayer is, is that all who come in contact with Christians would have an encounter with the love of God, which is overflowing from the life of the Christian. Now, here's the thing. Is that what overflows from your life? Be honest. I'll be honest. Many times it doesn't flow out of my life. You know, I can be really selfish. Maybe some of you can relate to that. You know, I, I, I don't overflow the love of God in every context of the relationships around me. Um, and, and, and maybe you can struggle and relate to that as well. But here's the thing. What do we do when we hear that? Do we just feel guilty and walk out of here and go, well, that stinks. It's another thing I'm failing at. I'm not loving in a giving way. I just kind of desire, and I guess I'm just a failure again. Here's the thing. Paul gives us the model. The model is not that we would just raise up our hands and say, well, that's another thing I can't do. But Paul drops to his knees and says, Lord, make this happen in the life of your people. Fill them up and overflow them with your agape love so that all around would see and understand who you are. So that people's reaction would not be, wow, that person is really loving, but they would, they would look at, at us and they would say, wow, They must know a very loving God because of how they are relating to others. You see, we need to begin the year, we need to begin each day when our feet hit the floor, offering up a prayer saying, Lord, fill me up and overflow me with your love so that I might give to others. A lot of times we don't do that though. A lot of times we try to do it ourselves. William Barclay says this. He says, we often wonder why the Christian life is so difficult to live, especially in the ordinary, everyday relationships of life. The answer may very well be that we are trying to live it by ourselves. The man or woman who goes out in the morning without prayer is in effect saying, I can quite well tackle today myself. Anybody relate to that? I can. But I don't want that to be 2016. I want the Lord to fill me and overflow me with his love for others. And it's really, that's our prayer for all of us who will be filled up and overflowed with this agape love. Now, when that happens, when that begins to take root in our hearts, there's a, a shift, there's a, there's a change. 
And, and that change begins to have impact in all of the different arenas of our life. And that's the second thing we see here is that this overflowing love is meant to be shared. And when this overflowing love that is shared, it's going to be shared with all of the different arenas of our life. Paul mentions two, but he mentions two to, to, to illustrate all. The first arena of our lives that will feel the agape love of God as it is overflowing from us is the arena of the church. He says in verse 12, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for who? For one another. Now what is Paul saying when he says that? When Paul says that we would be filled with love for one another, he is talking about a love for others within the church, a love for, for insiders. Paul's consistent this way. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul says that we have been called to love, especially those with a, a, a first priority, those within the household of faith. We are called to be a people who are loving to one another. When we gather as a church, we, we, are, we are called to gather as a place where all of us gather here and have an experience, an encounter with the agape love of God as we relate to one another because God has filled each of us up to overflowing and he desires for us as we interact with one another to interact with one another in a loving way that reminds us of who God is and how he loves us. That is the prescription, that is the outflow, that is one of the arenas where we are called to love people. So here's what that means. I want you to, to do something for me. I want you to turn your head to the left and turn your head to the right and look down your row. Now I want you to turn and look behind you and I want you to turn, turn your head and look in front of you. These are all people that God has placed around you today to be reminders of his love for you in the way that you interact with one another. And so the, the question that, that really we need to ask ourselves is, is Wildwood a place where people come and, and experience the love of God, have an encounter with the love of God. Now, now some of you are hearing that, and you say, absolutely. And, and you say that because, you know, when I walked in, I saw my best friend, and, and we, we high-fived, and we hugged, and we came in, and we sat right there together. And when we leave here, we're going to go to lunch with our small group, and then we're going to go from our small group um, to home, and then we're going to meet with our other small group on, on Sunday night, and then we're going to go to our serving role. And everywhere we go, everybody knows our name, and we love it, and it's awesome. That's some of your experience. That's great. Some of you, when I ask the question, is wow, what a loving place, you go, absolutely. But here's the thing. My guess is that there are some of you in this room that when I say that, what would it look like for Wildwood to be a loving place? You, you go, <laughs> I got a list. Let me tell you about my experience. I walked in, and you know who the only person who said hello to me? The only person who said hello to me was the person at the door, and they had a name tag on, so I know they were told to do that. And I walked in, and I, I walked over here, and I got coffee, and nobody made eye contact. And then I came in here, and I got to the door, and somebody said, don't bring coffee in here. And so I had to go back, and I didn't know the system. And then, then, I, then I came in here, and it was awkward, and I'm sitting on a row, and you're asking me to look around. And I don't know any of these people, and I've been here 18 years, and nobody knows me. And this is some of your feelings, right? And so what would Wildwood look like to be loving? You're like, I know what it'd look like. It'd look like not that. I got a list. And here's the thing, if that has been your experience, I want to sincerely apologize. 
I really do. Um, that has not been our heart. Some of you are here and, and, and you've, you've had an experience where you've had a, a death in your family and you've heard that when somebody died in somebody else's family, people came and they mourned and they brought food and, and somebody died in your family and nobody came and, and you didn't know if anybody mourned and nobody brought food. And if that's your experience, I want to tell you that I'm sincerely sorry. It's not our, our desire, it's not our heart. That's why we come into this year and we want to drop to our knees and we want to pray that God would fill us with an increasing, overflowing measure of his love so that we would love others around us in an agape, loving kind of way. So that all around us would have an experience, an encounter of the love of God. Now, here's the thing. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of how we can work this out as a church and what it's going to look like, but... I want you just today to begin and just ask yourself the prayer. What would it look like for me to be overflowing with the love of God as I walk around this place? What would it look like? Paul goes on. He says that he is praying that the Lord would would make you increase and abound in love for one another. That's our prayer as well. But then he also says that we would increase and abound in love for all. It's a funny word, all. Do a word study on it, it means all. It means everyone else. He, he begins in saying that there's a priority inside the church. Certainly, there should be a place where love is exhibited. But he goes beyond that to say that we are to be people who exhibit love for all. That means that as believers in Christ, as, as Wildwood folks live in our neighborhoods, that our neighbors would experience an encounter with the love of God as they interact with us and we are overflowing. It means that as we go to the workplace, that there would be an encounter that people that we work with would have with the love of God because of our presence there. It means that in our school, the same thing would happen means on our kids' sports teams or on our sports teams, the same thing would happen. There would be an encounter with the love of God because we have been filled up to overflowing with God's love so that all who come in contact with us, no matter where they are, that they would be impacted. The server at the restaurant where we went on Friday night, the attendant at the gas station where I stopped this morning on the way in, that they would all have an encounter with the love of God because of their interactions with us. It says all, it means all. Those in our community, those in our extended network, those around the world where Wildwood will go this year to Brazil, to Latvia, to Mexico, to Nicaragua, to Haiti, to China, everywhere we go and all of our interactions, the people would have an encounter with the love of God because we are filled up to overflowing with an increasing measure of God's love. What would it look like? For you to live out that life. Again, we're going to talk specifics in the next few weeks. I want you to begin today and just pray. Pray that God would fill us up, that we might be an expression of his love for all. Now, we're going to end our our service today. Um, by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And some of you have been around uh, the church for a long time, and, and you know what we're getting ready to do. 
we're going to be passing out bread and we're going to be passing out juice as reminders of the body and the blood of Christ, reminders of what Jesus has done for us when God sent him to, to overflow our lives with his love as a, as a visual picture and expression of that. Um, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper with these, with these reminders here today. Um, but before we, we celebrate that meal, and again, at Wildwood, anyone who has trusted and placed their faith in Christ is welcome to uh, celebrate this meal with us. But before we celebrate this meal together, I want to ask two things. The first thing is something I want to ask uh, for all of us, and the second thing is going to be only for, for some of us. The, the, the first thing I want to ask is, is for all of us, and, and, that is, and that is this. As we prepare to celebrate communion, I want you to just remember and reflect upon how much God loves us. And again, the perfect picture for that is what God has done for us in Christ. We may be a small jar, but our God is not known for his small portion sizes. Our God poured out his love and his mercy and his grace on us in abundant ways when Jesus came into this world to give us direction, life, insight, die on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins and send his spirit to reside within our hearts and lives, gathering us together in a body and a community, giving us direction and purpose and a future. This is what God has given to us. This is what he has poured out on us. And as we gather today with the bread and the cup in our hands, remembering who Jesus is, that that God might well up in our hearts a celebration of his love, that we would remember just how much God has filled us up. I, I pray that for all of us today. But I want to also ask for, for some of you who are here. And you're here today because uh, you determined that you were going to grow this year, not just physically, but spiritually. And, and you're here today as uh, keeping your New Year's resolution for the second week. That's awesome. Glad you're here. The 10th. Uh, that, and I'm, I'm, hey, we all begin, we were all there at some point, right? All of us were there at some point where we said, you know what? We want to change in our life. We're going to go gather around the people of God. We're going to look at the Bible. We're going to hear about Jesus. We're going to do all this stuff. Today might be the, the, the second Sunday in your life in that direction. But you might feel like you're here today just as an empty cup. That you're here today as, as a person that needs filling because you feel empty. And you have come here with this notion. It's not your fault. This is the way we're all built. You've come here with this notion that if this cup is to ever be filled, I need to fill it. I need to show God that I'm serious by making at least a three-month attendance at church before anything else changes in my life. Before God would ever accept me. I need to learn more Bible. I need to do more good. I need to work off whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you're here today and that describes you, here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that you would understand that God desires to fill your cup. Not someday, today. God wants to pour over you an increasing, abundant measure of his grace. Not because you've done anything great, but because he's a great God. And you can begin a relationship with him and celebrate this meal together with us today merely by where you sit, placing your faith and trust in Christ. I'm going to pray, and if that is the desire of your heart, that you might be trusting Christ with us today.
And then our ushers will begin serving us the meal, um, and we will partake of communion together as we sing. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to gather today to share this great truth. We thank you that you have offered to, to make us increasingly overflow with your love. And I pray today, Father, for all of us present that we would be filled with your love. That all who come in contact with us would have an experience with your kind of a love. And Father, I pray specifically for those who are here today who have just been checking out Christianity. They've just been checking out Jesus from a distance. They've come today with an empty cup, but Father, I pray today that you would fill it. And I pray that you would give them the faith to embrace the work of Christ on the cross and that right now where they sit in this very moment, that they would be expressing from their heart's desire a trust and a faith in you that you would fill their cup and you would offer them eternity, an increasingly overflowing experience with your love that will never end. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given all of us to worship today. We pray that you be honored now in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.